to know you, God. We want to be with you, God, and we want to be used by you, God. We thank you for this day. While it may be cold, it is still a new day. We are above ground with the movement of our limbs, with reasonable portion of health and strength. And for that, God, we say thank you. As we move forward, Lord, not just in this day and not in the week, but throughout this entire year, let your transformative power permeate our bodies. Let your transformative power permeate our spirits. Let the transformative power of the blood and the Holy Spirit create in us a clean heart that we will be reflective of walking in your authority and power everywhere we go. We want to be beacons of hope and examples of your love so that in the end, God, when we say that we did the things that we said we were going to do, it won't be an issue of that you didn't know us, but you will welcome us with open arms. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus Christ's name that we do pray and believe. Amen. 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 Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Rose Damascus Church. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord again. It's uh, interesting because uh, Friday, I believe it was, I had, uh, was talking to my wife and I was saying, boy, how excited I was. I couldn't wait till Sunday got here. And then last night, as I laid down for the, uh, the evening, I was overcome with feelings of <laughs> dread, I guess the only word I could say, <laughs> of not wanting to come to church. Uh, it's, it's an interesting feeling when you think the word that you have uh, is life-changing and, and so important and you get excited about it. And then because it is life-changing and important, the fear grips you. I can't give these words to these people. Who am I? Except God's humble servant. So I stand here uh, requesting your prayers uh, that you will uh, pray for me, that the Holy Spirit will lead me and guide me, that there will be nothing of me and everything of the Lord as we move forward. So as we go through this year, we talked about the, the transformation, the theme for 2019, and, and seeing how important it is for us as the people of God to become better, to transform who we are and be the people that God has called us to be that we have to go throughout this year and the messaging has to change and, and, and I, I reflected back on, on a, uh, some person who came to me and, and wanted to give me some feedback and he says that, uh, you know, Ron, what, what, what works for me is, uh, is that I know that I have uh, uh, the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what gets me up every day. And, and I think you should preach more about this grace and, and uh, I think that'll reach more people which is fine and dandy that, you know, you have, everybody's got an opinion. I mean, we, we all heard the, the, the saying that what everybody has. Uh, and so the, what I do is not because I desire to do it. Uh, the messages that go forth are not the messages that I decide to put forth, but in prayer and meditation, seeking guidance from the Lord to say, what is it that needs to be, go, to go, be spoken to the people? What has to go forth? And so we find these words this week in the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. Because I can tell you, I would love to just speak of everything good and great and wonderful and peaches and cream, but life is not always great and wonderful and peaches and cream. 
If, if it was, we'd have no reason for a savior. But the fact of the matter is we live in this world with leaders that we have at this time that have created problems, not just now, always. And sometimes our flesh gets us caught up in these things and we need to understand that because the world is a certain way that we can't always operate that way, that we have to take things to a higher level. And so we see these words in Exodus 33, 1 through 3. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. And you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go in your midst. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. So I want to use for a theme as we consider this being the year of transformation where are you going? God said depart and go up from here. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Think about life. We, 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 we're born, we live, and we die. But along the way, we, we, we create this, this image, this, this idea in our heads, whether we got it from mom and dad, whether we got it from our siblings or uncles and aunts or the people in the community, we, we have this idea of what life is going to be. Uh, we, we see this with so many young people. I remember in my, in my generation that we got to a place, I think my generation was probably the first generation where young people actually started to formulate the idea that I may not make it to my 21st birthday. Because life in the streets was so bad. It, they didn't fathom a life of beyond 30. They couldn't even begin to think about going to college because mom and dad, well, I never knew my daddy. And mom is working two and three jobs to pay for this. And we still got food stamps. And even those of us who had mom and dad in the home, we had dreams. We, we, yes, you're going to school. Yes, it's important for you to work hard. Yes, you're going to be somebody. And, and even though our parents may have an expectation that you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, I may have wanted to be a cowboy. But somewhere along the line, all these dreams that we thought about being cowboys and baseball players and firemen and policemen, some of those dreams came to fruition for some people. They became firemen. They became policemen. Uh, but that, that childhood desire to be the cop, to be the baseball player, to be the one to sink that, that basket at .2 seconds left on the clock to win the championship, sometimes things happen to get in the way. Sometimes it's genetic. 
I'm not physically capable to be that 230-pound uh, uh, running back that's going to score the touchdown and, and send Dallas going home. <laughs> and, you know, for the others of us, uh, we we're, we're, don't have the desire to practice day in and day out to go to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning like Kobe Bryant used to do, shooting jump shots thousands of times a day from the same spot so that he would never miss that shot again. Again, we ask the question, where are you going? What are you going to do with this thing we call life? Where, where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, we maybe even have to heard the question, where are you coming from? To begin to understand where we're going. But we have this thing with life where we have these expectations we set and eventually when we don't reach those expectations, disappointments begin to set in. The, the reality of the fact that we have fallen short of our, our goals and the expectations we've set because one day we said we're going here. But when we don't end up there, because we ended up over there. And, uh, I remember early uh, as a young man, I, I had a cousin named Lisa. I still have a cousin named Lisa. And she had a boyfriend named Jeff who, for some reason, uh, I don't know why I liked this guy. I thought he was so cool and ironically named the same name as my brother. But I thought he was so cool who I didn't think my brother was cool. But this dude I thought was cool. <laughs> And he told me that he was studying, he was going to college to become a dentist. And I remember thinking, wow, I like Jeff. I want to be a dentist. Then life happened. I got to college. I started partying. I was missing classes. Dentistry wasn't in my future at that point. But we have to get to a place when we start to understand and, and question ourselves, what is the end result of all this that we're doing? Not just in our regular lives, but even in our spiritual lives. Where are we going as Christians? Where are we going as a church? Where are we going? What's the end result of this thing that we get up every Sunday morning and come into this building for? What is the end result of all this? I had a conversation with a young man not too long ago because he he has this girlfriend who, who he, he says he loves, but he doesn't feel that she loves him to the same degree, that, that uh, uh, he has an expectation of her that she's not meeting. And I had to tell him, I said, you do realize that at this stage of the game, at your age, you shouldn't be battling with people about spending time with you. I remember when I was at 22, 23, 24, 25, I didn't have to beg some women to spend time with me. And if I had to beg, even when I was single as an adult, if I have to ask you to do something for me, then you weren't the one. I'm not wasting time. Time is not something that we have an abundance of. My personal life or my spiritual life. But somewhere along the line, we start to confuse the fact that even though we don't have time in our personal lives, we think we have all the time in the world in our spiritual lives. I don't have to change because I can do it tomorrow. I don't have to spend time studying scripture because I can do that next week. My New Year's resolution, I made this in August, but in January, I'm going to start reading the Bible from cover to cover, as if we know January will be here as a guarantee. That you will be here in January, as opposed to saying, hmm, 
I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to start now. I'm going to start praying and I'm going to start praying now. I'm going to fast and I'm not going to wait till next week. I'm going to fast now. Time is not something we have, but we certainly have plenty of disappointment. In the 1930s, there was a book written, Life Begins at 40. This was the, I guess you could say, the beginning of the self-help craze. Uh, people realizing that as they approach 40, what is left? And this guy, uh, Walter Pitkin, wrote that life begins at 40, that you have so much more available to you after 40, that if the first, the practice years of your life, birth through 39, weren't that great, beyond 40, you can make a change. And a lot of people don't believe that. Uh, uh, Laura Inger, Ingalls Wilders wrote a book in the 1800s called Little House in the Big Woods that eventually became Little House on the Prairie that we had a famous TV show that was after, uh, that this was formed after. She was 65 years old when the book hit the shelves. Colonel Harlan Sanders, everybody knows him, Kentucky Fried Chicken. 65 years old when he opened his first restaurant. Anna Mary Robertson Moses, better known as Grandma Moses, started painting at 78. Her whole life behind her, nothing was in front of her according to the world. At 78, she took up painting. She took up painting because needlepoint or whatever, embroidery, she was doing embroidery. The arthritis in her hands became too difficult and painful for her to do, so she started painting. Then when the arthritis in her right hand, naturally right-handed person, became too much, she learned to paint with her left hand. Her first paintings only sold for two or three dollars, but today you can't get a Grandma Moses painting for under a million. 78 years old. Where are you going with your life? Spiritually. Uh, spiritually, Moses was in the last part of his life when he went and led the children of Israel. Forty years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, then 40 years walking with the stiff-necked people that God just told us about. <laughs> he should have been looking for retirement. Instead, he's leading a bunch of people who didn't care nothing and continue to turn their back on God. We know that Abraham was well past uh, his prime to be having kids. His wife Sarah was well beyond childbearing years. But God used them. Where are you going with your life? David was just a boy when, he, uh, uh, when Samuel anointed him king because God said, this is the man after my own heart. Age is irrelevant. It's just a number. So this William Pitkin said, life begins at 40. I'm telling you, life begins when you start to live. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like a quote machine lately. It begins when we choose to begin. Life begins when we choose to live our life according to the will of God. Life begins when we decide we're going to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in that anointing from now until the end of time. That's when life begins. And then we'll see that we get to this place. is no longer a question of where we're going because I already know the path has been laid out. I'm walking with the Lord. And so we see in the text that the children of Israel 
That is, they, at this, to this, this setting in Exodus 33, they're, they're at the base of, of Mount Sinai, and, and God is saying, go into the promised land. But in chapter 32, the previous chapter, the issue that was existing, uh, the reason why God was angry was because they, Moses had gone up into the mountain to, to meet with God and to receive the law, and the people created the image of gold. You may not have read about it in Exodus, but you saw the Ten Commandments when they had Aaron make it. Cecil yeah. <laughs> B. B. the Mills version. We, so many people have never read the story of Exodus, but they've seen the Ten Commandments. And because they've seen the Ten Commandments, that's their basis of Scripture. But nonetheless, Aaron made the image of gold, and God was angry at them. Yeah. The question again, where are you going? Because God said, get up from here and go. Go into this new land of, uh, of uh, uh, honey, milk, milk and honey. Uh, verse 1 and verse 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. <clears throat> verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I will consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Can you imagine God saying that to you? What we're dealing with here in this particular section is that God is fulfilling the promise, but he's withholding his presence. You go to this land. That I swore I was given to your forefathers. I will give it to you and your descendants. But I ain't going with you. I'm fulfilling my word. Because I've given a promise to the man who I said I loved. That his generation, he would have a generation he couldn't count. So many descendants that would outnumber the stars. I'm fulfilling my word. But your stiff-necked, hard-headed, ego-driven, pride-first attitude, I can't go with you. Because if I go with you, I'm going to kill you. Now you think about this, and we know we've all had these situations where you've been with people you love. I love you with all my heart, but right now, if you don't get out of my sight, I'm going to kill you. Now, I didn't say I don't love you anymore, but your presence sickens me right now. You, I mean, you know that kind of anger and fury we had inside. A lot of times it's directed at our children. Because they have just done something. If it wasn't for the law right now, you don't know. I'd strangle you till you couldn't breathe again. But you better leave right now because I don't care about the law. I will kill you where you stand if you don't get out my face. God is saying, I'll give you the promise. I still love you. I'm still going to give you all these things, but I ain't going anywhere with you. The land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I'm giving this to you. But I will not go up in your midst. And we talk about this idea of transformation. The transformation is necessary because we, as individuals, we collectively as Christians, we collectively as the church, have accepted God's promise and rejected his presence. Yeah. We have all the good stuff, all the trappings of life. We have our houses, our jobs, our families. We're here in the United States of America where we can worship without fear of persecution. 
Some of us have really good jobs. Some of us have, eh, you know, okay jobs. But for the most part, life is really good. We can walk around here, go to the doctor because we got medical insurance, got gas in our cars, get from point A to point B. We got cars. Don't have to ride the bus. People in our lives that will help us when we need it. But we don't have his presence. Why are we as Christians, when we try to think of this idea and as we ponder this question, where are we going, expect to get anywhere in life with just living on the promise of God and not wanting his presence? Transformation is necessary because we have to accept it. Because we have accepted God's promise, but we have rejected his presence. Uh, 1 Samuel 8, verse 6 through 8, this is when, uh, uh, before David is anointed king, and the people, God's people, the people who knew him, the promise has already been fulfilled, and they're demanding to be treated like the world. Uh, and then when they're asking Samuel to tell God to give us a king, Samuel, we pick this up here, it says, but the thing... But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. You already got God. What do you need a king for? So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. That's our prophecy. We want the promise of God because if we have his presence, then God has to reign over us. And if God is reigning over us and is Lord of our lives, then there are things we have to change that we don't want to let go of. As when he said, you are a stiff-necked people, that means my pride, nope, I ain't forgiving this person. Nope, I ain't loving this person. Nope, I've worked too hard, I ain't giving this money for that, and that's mine, not theirs. Even though you wouldn't have it if it wasn't for God, he says, according to his law, this is how we're supposed to govern our lives. This is how we're supposed to demonstrate to the world that we're his disciples, and yet we still do things our own way. Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which I have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day. And if you... <laughs> You ponder this. Where are you going when the Lord is so angry? Even to this day with which you have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. God ain't happy. We'll accept everything good from God except his perfect will. He can give you and shower you with everything good, the big house, the family, the money, constant flow of people in your life that are pouring into you consistently, but you will not accept God's will. Instead of being the bigger person, I'm not about bending. Instead of bringing peace, I'm being disruptive. Please forgive me. That cut too deep. Where are you going? Where are we as a people of God going? How do we deal with this promise versus the presence? Why are we dealing or why are we accepting? Why are we willing to accept his promise and not his presence? What, 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 what designation exists 
that separates the church from any civic organization. Well, we come, we gather together on Sunday mornings. Well, I can tell you right now, I know people who sell herbal life that every Sunday they get together too. And they talk about stuff that sounds like they're at church too. Matter of fact, the exact words of uh, somebody, a, a former Herbalife distributor told me that he said, what we got is better than God. They paying for this. Exact words from an Herbalife distributor. What makes us better or different from any other organization? Well, we go out and we feed the homeless. So does the uh, shelter downtown L.A. Well, we contribute money to this organization. Well, the Elks and the Masons do those things, too. Well, we, we uh, encourage and support young people and send them to college and give scholarships. Well, every black Greek letter fraternity and sorority do the same thing. They gather together. They serve people. They gather, collect toys and clothes and food for the homeless. They give scholarships to kids. Uh, the Shriners even have hospitals. So what makes us any different? What distinguishes the church from anything else? Then when we talk about this transformation and understanding, are we just another little civic group that gets together on Sunday morning, sing a few songs, pass out in the aisle, and then leave here and curse everybody out all week long? We have accepted the promise of God but not his presence. Because the thing that distinguishes the church or the thing that's supposed to distinguish the church from the world is the presence of God in the place and in our lives. But church has become another activity that we participate in. Because I tell you, every month I'm an active financial member of my fraternity. Every Every third Thursday we meet and talk about the program of what Alpha Phi Alpha is going to do in the community this year. We were raising money, having our scholarship gala, having a golf drive to raise money for home poor people. We get gathering mentor young men to teach them what it means to be men in America today. How many churches are actually out there mentoring young men and women to be better Christians? For well, for even forget just being better Christians, to be men and women in America. How many churches are actually out there training young men and women to be productive citizens of society? Teaching them how to study, how to prepare for the the, uh, uh, SATs and ACTs. Preparing, teaching them how to prepare a proper resume. Teaching them how to interview. We do that at Alpha Phi Alpha. So again, what distinguishes the people from the rest of the world? God's people. In order for us to not be in just an occasional thing we do or another activity, we have to be in God's presence. God's presence has to be with us. We have angered God by our actions. And we saw that in verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Stubborn, obstinate, headstrong. Ego-driven, pride taking everything up with you. We see again in the first part of verse 5. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel. God is telling Moses first. These people, these people you lead, they're stiff-necked people. Then he says to them, for the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel. You are stiff-necked people. 
come up in your midst and in one moment and consume you. Where are we going with this thing? Where, where are we as believers going? What's, what's the end result when we talk about, and you hear things, they say, what's the end game in all of this? What, we're just supposed to be doing this week after week and, and think things are supposed to be different and we've we better than everybody else because we come and our, our civic gathering is in a house of worship because we sing songs of praise to God. I can tell you, at the end of every fraternal meeting, we pray. So prayer is just not a thing that separates us from the world. Jeremiah 15 Verse 6 in the voice translation. You have rejected me time and again. You keep backing away from me. So I will reach out and destroy you. I am weary of feeling sorry for you. I will not relent this time. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. I'm giving you my word. I fulfilled my promise. I'm trying to show you the way and give you everything you need to be successful. Give you a path and the way you should go. The answer to your question, what am I doing? Where should I be going? I'm giving it to you. And you keep backing away from me. He says, so I will reach out and destroy you. Not only am I going to destroy you, and I'm going to tell you how true I am to destroy you because I'm tired. This is how, he literally says, I am tired of feeling sorry for you. You have literally, you know we get to that place when somebody, you just warn, I can't do this no more. This is done. You have trapped on my last nerve. This is it, no more. We, you, you see it, uh, I love some of these TV dramas that when you, when you see somebody, and we probably know them in our own personal lives, they have hit rock bottom. And they probably tried to take you with them. But at some place, your own survival instinct says, I'm not going there with you. You can continue to go, but this is it. This is where I get off the ride. I am weary of this. And here we have the Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, saying, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I mean, you just really, you put this in context. This is the creator of the universe, of all things. He created life, life everything that we see, and he finally says, I'm tired. Where are we going with this? God has fulfilled his promise, but withheld his presence. We don't know where we're going because we're lost. We are a lost people. We've lost sight of God, and we've lost sight of his presence. And when you look at these things, we're in this time in society that people are so lost. We've gone away. From, I, I hate it. I gotta go there. I, I don't define me as boy or girl. I'm an it or they. I've lost. They've lost their way. I don't no longer. I'm not conforming to your gender designation. Is what they call it now. Uh, you make me want to call. You can't call me if I identify as a they. If you call me he, then we got a problem. I am no longer identifying as a black male. I mean, I, I'm looking at these stories, these people to say, and I, I don't identify as this. I just saw a man, he said he identified as a lizard. <laughs> these 
see these people all the time. They go through these processes spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to change their bodies into this new thing that they say they identify with. But scientifically, when you pull that DNA, you are either a man or a woman. You ain't a it or a they. They're lost. And we're going along with the ride with them. Accepting this now. How do you go sit when I'm looking at you, I see a woman or a man? You may try and change all these things and you may dress up a certain way, but it doesn't matter when they inside is who you are. But we're lost. It says uh, uh, people are lost. They have no direction, no purpose. Well, it was a Commodore song, wasn't it? I was a lonely man. <laughs> it was a just to be close to you, grass. That was it. I love when in my religion, I was lost. No direction, no purpose. Oh, but girl, you came and turned my life around. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> People are lost and alone, no purpose, no sense of direction. And no wonder they can't answer the question. We can't answer the question where we're going because we don't know. They don't know. And we continue to accept this as normal. And I'm not just talking about them individual being lost. I'm talking about accepting God's promise and not his presence. That's normal for us. That's the reason why we have to transform. We, we must transform, we must repent, and we have to ask God to go with us. Is in verse 15 and 16, first part of 16 or 16a. Then he said to them, this is Moses, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? He did Moses saying specifically, no one is going to know that we are different from the world unless we have your presence with us, God. But the presence of God is only going to come when we transform our thinking and become new creatures. Yeah, yeah. And, but you think about this. How will the people know that we're different from you unless you go with us? How is the world supposed to know that church is a different place that you're supposed to be? Not just a fraternal or sorority organization. Not just a civic organization. How is the world supposed to know unless God is there with us? Because the stuff that's supposed to happen in church ain't happening. People are literally going to concerts every Sunday. They are going to Broadway shows. There was a church in Dallas that we used to go to. And I remember I was telling Sean, we went there, I love... I love this pastor because this dude could preach. I mean, he, he literally every week I'm taking three and four pages of notes because he's just given that much information. But it was such a production that I couldn't focus on his message any longer. The lights, the people, the, 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 uh, the, the staff wearing their black shirts with the staff, I literally felt like I was on a play on Broadway. Every week. And then when he did his message, he brought out props. And the last day I went there and I told Sean, man, I can't go no more. Because he brought a goat, a live goat on stage. 
to illustrate the point, and it's like, dude, I get you wanted to show people something, and you will go, and he said, I will do whatever it takes to get a message across. I get that. But a live goat? What would he have done if the bowel had moved on that goat? I would have laughed, and I'd have left right there. <laughs> people are getting shows week after week. They're not being fed the life-changing word of God. We got other people at these passes on TVs. <sighs> Here's the other guy that everybody's yelling at because he buys his wife a pastor a $200,000 Maserati or something. How are you doing that when people are hungry in the world? Well, it wasn't just that he bought her this Maserati because this dude has multiple streams of income. It's not just the mega churches paying him. He's writing books. He's got a TV show. I don't care what you do with your own money. If you got money coming out your drawers because you got all these other businesses and property and real estate, writing books, writing plays, producing TV shows, have at it. Buy 10 Maseratis if you want. But the word came out, he bought his wife the Maserati because he was cheating on her. Again, I ain't judging him. I'm not perfect. You heard me talk about my first marriage and my problems. But it gets to a certain place where you start to have to say, dude, what is distinguishing you from the world? What is the thing that makes you different if you're doing the same thing the world is doing? You stealing, you cheating, you lying, you angry, you fighting, you cussing, you drunk, you high. What's the difference? Where is the presence of God in your life? You're trying to tell me what's right, and I'm looking at you, and I see everything wrong. You're trying to give me truth, and here's the truth. Jesus died for you just like he died for me. You think I'm foul? Let me tell you, bro, you ain't you need to look in the mirror. When we have his presence with us, we have peace. Verse 14, he said, my presence is God relenting to Moses. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We are foregoing, foregoing the presence of God, rejecting everything he has given to us, including peace, because we don't want him to reign over our lives. I can't, I can't let God have this part of me. I need to stay angry. I, I, I can't let him touch this part because I ain't forgiven this person. I, I ain't ready yet. I, uh, you know, I, I even told somebody years before I got into ministry, I can't go into ministry because I'm not willing to change my life. I, I want to continue to live the way I'm living. Well, you know you're going to hell. I said, well, I'll see you there, bro. It's funny, Christians always have a funny way when they tell you what you're doing is wrong. He's telling me how wrong I am because I said, at least I admit, not make me better, but at least I'm saying I admit that I'm foul and I'm continuing to live a foul life. I'm not pretending to go into my little meeting every week and then still living like everybody else. No presence of God is no power. And the thing that's lacking in church today is power. We talk about 
The church is the place where people are healed. This is the hospital for the sick. Ain't nobody being healed in church. We saw a video of uh, uh, some pastor laying hands on R. Kelly because of the show that came out removing the demon of uh, pedophilia from him. Fear clearly didn't work. Ain't no power. Because we got churches that don't have the presence of God. As you remember when we talked about our, our theme verse for, for, for transformation for 2019, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The people of God, the people that are in church every week, he said many, not just a few people, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we go to church every week? Didn't we sing in the choir? Didn't I preach? I was preaching life-changing messages, God. Don't you remember me? And he said, I never knew you because you ain't no different from the rest of the world. You, you are not the image I created. This is standing in front of me I don't recognize because this is not me. This is the world that's in front of me. No power. No presence of God. And we don't know where we're going. The world doesn't know where we're going. And then we sit here and wonder why. We're, we're searching for bigger churches, bigger music, professional musicians, elaborate shows, and preachers who make us feel good about the things that we're doing foregoing the presence of God because we have all the promises. I got my house. I got my job. I got money in the bank. I'm good. But we have no power. Where are you going? Where are we going? Where's the church going? I can't answer that question for you individually. But I do know that we have to work together and change our mindset. Yes, yes. That we have to ask God to come into our lives and work on us to change us, to help us see that his way is better than our way. And be willing to let go of these things that we think give us value, but in the end are just bringing us doom. Where are you going? Just take a second and just think about that for in your mind. Where are you going? Where, where is all this going? No matter how old you are at this moment, just what tomorrow morning, this afternoon, one hour from now, what, where are you going? Are you going with God? Or are you going to continue in life the way you've been going? Are you going to continue to exist or are you going to begin to live? 
You're going to trust men or you're going to trust God? Are you willing to leave this place and call the person that you've been beefing with and say, whatever the cause, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, even if I didn't do anything wrong, I love you. And I don't want this anymore. Are you willing to leave this place and pray to God that he will touch your heart? That God will be Lord of your life? Are you willing to take a new step in faith so that the power of God can be manifest in your life? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to continue doing because life's been good so far? I ain't got no complaints. I don't need to change nothing. I'm good. They're the ones that are messed up. Oh, I got news for you. Like I told that brother, Jesus died for you too. Because you just as jacked up as the world. No matter how perfect you may think you are, you just a funky, attitude, rotten, wrong, messed up, forsaken, and lost. No, no, no. You, you know who you are sexually. You know who you are with your gender. You know who you're comfortable in the gender roles. But life is so much more than that. So where are we going today? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we pray.